Amen. I got four stories to tell you, four individuals with four different experiences. The first one is a woman who was uh, having an affair, and she was having an affair with a man, and in fact, the affair was so predictable that she actually got caught. And this person, of course, she committed adultery. And adultery is wrong in so many ways because there's a lot of betrayal involved and, and the, the victims of adultery. So this woman obviously knew that. That's why they carry out affair in secret. And people know about it. They feel very guilty about it. Yet they feel like they need to do it because there's something in their heart that needs to be satisfied. So they keep doing it, no matter whether it's having an affair or whatever. And so people keep finding themselves doing the same thing. And so she was caught, and so she was being dragged all the way uh, by people. You know, people obviously shun her, and they're mad at her. And, but most of all, religious people, they just want her to be stoned. Because in her culture, she's supposed to be stoned. And so they drag her all the way to our master, Jesus. And so the religious leader says she should be stoned. And it was correct, because... The commandment did say that whoever being caught as adulterer needs to be stoned. So by law, she needs to be stoned. But yet they have heard of quite a different message from this prophet, teacher, so-called teacher of God or son of God. So they wanted to test and see if she, he can reconcile between following the law or whatever Jesus was saying, which is about kindness, goodness, and grace. So they came to Jesus, they dragged her to Jesus, challenging, wanted to challenge Jesus. And you can just imagine this woman is full of shame. And she's being paraded in front of people, condemned by the religious world, and being humiliated over and over and over again. If you don't know the story, you probably wonder what would Jesus do? How would our God treat an adulterer? Because he's a holy God after all. He's an amazingly holy and he demands holiness. So how is it that this loving Jesus reconciled with this holy God? They want to see. But then again, this woman is an adulterer. But she is feeling all remorse, humiliated. What do you do? So they ask Jesus, should we stone her? Should we stone her? Come on, let's stone her. Come on. And you know the mob, right? The mob will usually follow whatever the mob is doing, you know. People follow the mob. Say, come on, man, let's stone her. Let's, come on, let's get rid of her. I'll tell you a second story. The second story is this. There was this young man. He actually liked to cut himself. He cuts himself all the time. And we were told that in the middle of the evening, he usually moan and cry because he's in so much pain and torment. He didn't know why. It is not his responsibility. It is not his, his uh, you know, doing that he became what he became. We don't know why he became like that. And so, at the end of the day, he was abnormal. And he cut himself. He cried. So many young people today are cutting themselves and crying. So, 
This man, young man, was cutting himself. He's crying at night, and you know, in society, we consider those people weird. In our modern vernacular, we call them mentally ill. They're not mentally stable. Why would anybody in the right mind cut themselves, cry all night? And so the society didn't know what to do with that person. You know what they done with them? They just push him away, like an asylum. At that time, except for him, at his time, there's no such thing as an asylum. They push him to the tombs where nobody can see him or deal with him. The Bible says they're also being possessed by demons in a modern-day vernacular. They don't believe in that. But the truth is that there many people are afflicted by evil spirit. We just give them some medicine and push them away, but the struggle is real, as they say. And so they push him away, and he they try to chain him up, and he would just break the chain because he has such an amazing demonic power in him. You know, we call them superpower, right? In this day and age, especially those of you watching the event Avenger Endgame, you know, like you like supers, right? But the thing is that this person was demon possessed. He was depressed. He was struggling. Society didn't know how to deal with him. Today, sitting here, maybe some young people. Nobody understands you because you're struggling in the dark. You're crying out to God, and nobody understands why. They give you a label, and they just push you away. Hopefully, they don't see you. Don't have to deal with you. They don't want to hear about your problem, and yet you cry all night. Oh God, who is going to help me? Who is going to save me? Who can understand me? You weep, you cry in pain, you cut yourself. I heard this week from a teenager trying to understand why teenager cut themselves, and and、uh, there are many theories. But this teenager said, "You know, there's so much pain in my world. Cutting myself will cause me to forget about the pain in the world, so I can focus on the pain that I'm experiencing now." Because the pain in the world that I'm in is more painful than the cut I experience. Do you realize a lot of people is in tremendous pain? And what do society do? They just call them crazy. They just push them away. You'd be surprised to learn that in this city, a big number of people are in depression and nobody knows about it. So he was being shunned away, given labels. He's crazy, out in the tomb. The third one, actually, I have another story for you. Is the third one. Third one. He、uh, he's a religious zealot. He's very religious, and he hates people who disagree with his doctrine. Have you met those people before? They argue you down. They will just debate you down. You know, Paul the Apostle tell Timothy, don't get involved in those people just debating about the- theology and doctrine. Just, 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 just stay away from them. But there are people that just are very passionate about what they believe, and they're very religious and very committed and zealous about the doctrine they subscribe to. And so, if you disagree with them, they 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 think you're going straight to hell. They'll judge you. They'll condemn you. They do all kinds of stuff. But you know, I just realized that religious people—they themselves are quite insecure. The reason is because in their mind, they think their God is a judgmental God, want to strike them. So they need to do everything so perfect, so that their God would accept them. 
And they cannot stand the fact that somebody says, you know, this Jesus has come to town. He said, if you believe in him, you'll be saved. You don't have to follow all these rules and all these religious rules. And those people who observed all those rules all this time, they feel so jib, number one, and number two, they feel so jealous. And they say, this cannot be true. I have paid the price. How dare you say that my God is so easy. It's not that easy. I work so hard to please him. And how dare you tell me it's so easy. And so all these religious zealots they want to take down all the people who talk about the grace of Jesus how he loved us so much and so they start condemning like they would condemn you know, the apostle Paul they would condemn him and say oh they preaching can do anything it's a permissive theology that's nothing could be further from the truth but then again all these religious people they've been trying to please their God all the time they cannot grasp the fact that salvation and the grace of God it's so free. You don't have to pay a dime for it. You don't have to do any religious obligation to get it. It's just to receive it. And so the zealot, of course, he was mad. He was mad. He was one of the leaders. So he would go around and he would persecute Christians. You know, these days you cannot go hurt people because you can get thrown to jail. And all they do these days is they can just say bad words about you, criticize you, judge you. But in that day where this man was, they're able to throw people who would disagree with his theology into jail. Thank God we're not living in those days. Because I know a lot of people want to throw me into jail. Especially religious people, you know. Can't wait to get, get him into jail, you know. They pronounce this church is so bad and, you know, they're going to close down one day, whatever, right? But I, I'm glad we're not living in those days, but still people would condemn us for believing that Christ has finished all the work on the cross and that work will give you a fresh start, a new beginning. All you have to do is just receive it. But anyway, so this man was very insecure. So insecure, so he persecuted Christians, throwing them in a jail, party into murdering of people, a murderer. That's why he says, you know, he said, this, 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 this truth is worthy to say is that Christ came to the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. Later on, he confessed that because he realized that he had been party to murder, party to persecuting Christians and so forth. Last story. Then we're going to circle back. There's this woman. She uh, got married five times. And every single marriage, of course, she was in, she didn't feel like it was good. So she thought, if I change my husband, I will change my situation. This husband will satisfy me. That husband is no good. So she changed husband first time. And didn't they work? Ah, oh, I married a loser. Change another husband. Thinking the third husband will make the change, will satisfy her, to complete her, you know, make her whole. Didn't happen. Tried a fourth husband. It didn't happen. And the fifth husband. Finally, she gave up on this idea about marriage. She decided to live with someone else. No marriage, no commitment. Forget about this marriage, mumbo jumbo. All this individual had an encounter with God. My Jesus. And the religious world will condemn them, of course. 
the so-called holy people would just find them dis- distasteful, would find them disgusting. But if you understand the stories that I just told you and you're familiar with it, you would know that Jesus treated people quite differently. Let's go back to the adulterer, the gal who was involved in an extramarital affair with another man that got caught in the act. All the religious people condemned her, judged her, want to kill her, want to stone her. You know, many places in the world, many churches in the world, people don't want to walk in there because it's so. Ooh, you don't know what people would think of you. You don't know what they say of you. You don't know how they're going to judge you. So they don't want ever want to come into church because it's a judgmental place. I thank God this place is not like that. Amen. Can I hear a big amen for those who are part of this church, right? Hallelujah. Come on. You know, praise God. This church is not like that. The people who are like that, they left already. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> Because we're not in the business to condemn or judge. That's up to God. Our business is to obey Jesus and tell you the good news. The good news is that Jesus is not here to judge you. And this woman being brought to Jesus, and they thought Jesus, okay, this loving God, you know, he of course had to obey the commandment, and therefore she needs to be stoned. And now we're going to see how he's going to reconcile this little dilemma. Jesus stood up and said, "He who had no stone can cast a first. So no sin can cast a first stone." For those people who judge, in other words, he says, "If you've never sinned before, you can go ahead and judge." See the problem with a lot of us Christian is this: is that we've all saved by grace through faith. At one point of our lives, we felt like we're so unworthy, and we needed the grace of God. And the grace of God came to us, and He had given us a new life. We got a brand new life. We walk in a newness of life, and He gave us this amazing life. And He walked this life for six months, a year, thirty years later. We forgot we need that grace. So when people walk into our lives, they are so messed up. They don't know about Jesus. All we do is just fall our hand and say, "Oh, my, 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 my," not realizing that at one time we were like that. I want to encourage you, if you are a believer today. Be free to release grace to other people. Let them taste the goodness of God. Don't judge them because you don't know why they behave the way they behave. You don't know why a person commits adultery. Now I can't. I'm not saying you 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 go ahead and commit adultery. I'm not saying it's okay, but don't be the judge. Be what Jesus wants us to be. He that had not sinned can cast the first stone, and this is what Jesus said. That's very interesting. Because nobody, nobody could cast a stone. They all took off, with tail between their legs, as it were. I pray this morning that the devil who had been accusing you in your mind through people, those devils, those religious devils, they will leave you alone with tail between their legs and run away. Hallelujah! Amen. Come on, let's praise the Lord. And so Jesus stood up, and Jesus said. Did nobody condemn you? And the woman said, "No, Lord." And this is so sweet. Jesus said, "Neither would I condemn you." Some of you sitting here this morning, you need to hear. Jesus is telling you, "I will not condemn you." But this is what He said: Get a fresh start. Go, and sin no more. Don't play with sin anymore, because it ain't pretty. 
But from this point onwards, you have a clean slate. Some of you sitting here this morning, the Holy Spirit wants you to know the Father's heart is for you to have a clean slate. No matter how bad things have been, you have a clean slate. Go and sin no more. Have a fresh start. Have a new beginning. Don't go back to the sin. Get away from it and get a fresh start. A life that is full of hope, full of joy. The Bible says that this woman actually followed Jesus for the rest of her life. Very faithful. Now let's talk about that guy who cut himself and that demoniac. You know, the whole society had shunned him. But you know, he ran to Jesus. He ran to Jesus. He saw Jesus. And today, you're sitting here. I want you to know Jesus is here. You can't see him, but he is here. The Bible says that if two or three of us gather in his name, he will be in our midst. He's not a liar, so he is here. You run to him. If the society has shunned you, they don't understand your pain. They don't understand why you cut yourself. They don't understand why you cry at night. They don't understand you. They don't understand that you're being oppressed spiritually by demon power. You have been oppressed spiritually by demon powers. No amount of medicine, no amount of medication is going to help you. All it is going to do is just to numb you and cause you to feel like life is worthless. But Jesus is standing here and this is what he wants to do. He wants to heal you. Because Jesus healed this man. He cast out all those silly demons, stupid demons, those bad demons. And Jesus healed him. And he had a fresh life. You know, he wanted to follow Jesus, the Bible says. But Jesus said, no, you can't. I need you to go tell the village about me. You see, first time when Jesus came and healed him, the whole village came out and told Jesus he needs to go away. But if you follow the Bible... When Jesus came back the second time, the whole town was waiting for him. Who told the good news? This guy. He became the most powerful evangelist recorded in the Bible. Can I hear an amen? Come on. Let's praise the Lord. It doesn't matter what pain, what trouble you're going through in Jesus' eyes, under his blood, you can have fresh start today. It's not the education you're going to have. It's not the degree you're going to have. It's His grace over your life that's going to transform you. And His Holy Spirit is going to use you to be the most powerful influencers of your time, in your generation, in your sphere of influence. Amen. Come on, let's praise the Lord. And of course, we know this religious zealots. He met Jesus. Jesus didn't condemn him. Jesus asked, why are you, why, why you just... Why are you just kicking yourself against the rock? Why are, you, why are you kicking yourself against the curb? Why are you making yourself so painful? Stop trying so hard, you religious, religious zealots. My grace is sufficient for you. And when Jesus accepted him and healed him, he's the one who established our doctrine today of grace. The guy who wants to hunt people down, who disagree with his doctrine, his religious doctrines, he wrote the most amazing thesis on grace. That all our doctrines in the modern day Christianity, not modern day, in Christianity, is based on. You are saved by grace through faith. That is not of yourself. Not of yourself. Never of yourself. But it's the grace of God. And lastly, this woman that Jesus met, she was getting water. 
this woman who had had five marriages and the one she's currently staying with is not even her husband. And Jesus asked for some water because he was thirsty. But then again, he knew what was going to happen. And this woman said, you don't even have a, you know, whatever you need to get the water. And Jesus said, if you knew who it is that asked you for the water, you would ask him for a living water. He said, the water I'm going to give you, woman, is going to satisfy you so much that you don't need another marriage, you don't need another relationship, you're going to be so filled. You know, we cannot judge people of wanting to change marriage or whatever. Everybody has their struggle. I understand that. But what Jesus is here is not to condemn you for all the decisions you've made. He understands why you made those decisions. I'm not giving excuse for those decisions because every sinful decision, there are consequences. But God wants to rescue you from those bad decisions. But he knows when we make decisions, a lot of times we make decisions because there's something inside us needs to be satisfied. There's something inside all of us needs to be satisfied. We want to have a brand new TV. Some of us boys, right? We may not want to have another marriage, but we want to have a brand new TV, bigger and bigger and bigger, until it's 110 inches, until it's bigger than our wall. We can't fit it anymore, right? And then we need something new. New ladies, you know. Actually, guys, too. I shouldn't say ladies. We like shoes, right? More shoes, you know. Every day you go to a shopping center, you just test on new shoes, and we thought they would be satisfying us. And by the way, shoes doesn't satisfy me. It's just making me look good, okay? So don't judge me. Hallelujah. <laughs> but you know, this woman has such a need. She needs something. Do you know that if you have Jesus in your heart, you'd be so satisfied that you wouldn't need to spend another dime on anything, let alone getting into another marriage. You know, marriage is very costly. Divorce is more costly than marriage. Can you imagine getting a divorce five times? My goodness. It's very expensive. But you know that if you have Jesus in your heart, it's not costly. It's free. You'll find yourself not need to buy anything. You'll find yourself have a lot of opportunity to save lots of money. But that's not the reason, but it's just a side benefits, you see. Because Jesus wants to satisfy us all today. Worship team, can you come, please? He wants to satisfy you today. Whether you've been a Christian 20 years, been a Catholic 30 years, go to church all your life, or you've never been to church before, He wants to satisfy you. Let me read you a few scriptures of the promises of God. You know, the last one He said was that I am the resurrection. Because of that, we know that all the seven I am that He promised to be for us, Jesus promised for us can be true and real. The first one is Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. Is your soul hungry for something? You wanting more? Is your soul thirsty for something? Oh, my Jesus will satisfy you so full. Don't go for religion. Don't go for religious practices. Come to have an encounter with this Jesus who stands here. He said, if two or three of us gather in his name, he shall be in our midst. He's right here right now. You can't see him, but that's what you need faith to reach out. What is faith? Faith is to tell yourself it is true with a certain hope based on the word of God. So you reach out. I want this God that will satisfy me, that I will never get hunger, 
and thirst again. Take him, receive it. Say, Jesus, I want you. I am the light of the world, as I can promise. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have light of life. Do you realize that Jesus wants you to live not in confusion and chaos? He wants you to live in clarity, not in darkness, not in chaos, not in confusion. He loves you so much, but He said, I'm the light. Take me in. You will not be in chaos. You will not live in chaos and confusion, but you live in joy. You live in light. You live in clarity. And Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be safe. He will have a Zoe life. He will have a full life. And watch this. He will go in and out and find pasture. You know what pasture is, right? The place where you have supplies, food, nurturing, not only for your soul and your spirit, but for your body. He wants you to find green pastures. You know, we always look for connection. Jesus said, you don't need connection. You need the door. I am the door. Come through me. You may be believers for a long time and trying to get connection somewhere and become successful in whatever. Why don't you try Jesus? God, I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to go through you. I'm going to believe in you that whatever that you provide for me is going to be perfect, perfect in timing, perfect in supplies. I'm the true vine. Oh, sorry. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to me except through the Father. And Jesus is the only way. Not Buddha. Not Muhammad. Not your own righteousness. Not your own ability. Not money for sure. Not joining a church. Joining a religious institution. No, none of that. It's through Jesus. Your personal Jesus. In a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to experience this amazing fresh start through Jesus. It's free. You're not joining this church. It's easy. It's the easiest thing you ever need to do. But if you do it with all your heart, you're going to walk out of this place with spring in your steps, joy in your heart, peace in your mind, and the Holy Spirit will cause you to feel His presence. Yes, today, you don't have to wait till December 31st to make a resolution for a clean slate. It starts today. A resurrection day of our God. Jesus say, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husband. And every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, and it may bring forth more fruit. You know, God wants you to become very productive, very fruitful in everything in your life. But fruitfulness is not, is not something that you do. It's not, you know, people say, oh, you need to be fruitful. As though you need to you know, make some fruit happen. Fruits is actually a natural thing for some trees that are healthy. Like a dark, like a, it's a barren trees that's not healthy, they won't produce any fruits. You can go to Walmart and buy some fancy colored plastic fruits and stick it there. That would just be works. It's not natural. And pretty much people discover it's just fake. You can't put it up. Right? That's what religion tells us to do. Just come to church, pretending, put up these nice fruits, put up front, you know. But eventually, the fruits cut through rain and sun. It's going to fade away the color, right? All the styrofoam is going to melt or whatever. But if you have true life in you, through Jesus, fruit is natural. You don't even have to try. You don't even have to try. Lastly, this is the final promise that encompass all the promise. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection 
and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. He shall live. He shall live. He shall live. Live well, good, fruitful, amazing life. That's the promise of God. You're sitting here this morning, you're wondering, how can I get this? Should I join this church? <laughs> no. Should I pay some money? No. Is it real? Is it just a figment of my imagination? No. Is it some kind of rules I have to follow and so that psychologically I feel like I'm accomplishing something? No. They're all lies. It's a very simple thing. It's just to accept what has been provided for you and in waiting for you.